Ephesians uh, chapter two, uh, 3, verse 20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able by his mighty power to work in us, is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream, infinitely beyond, beyond. That is where God is always taking our lives, beyond where we're currently at, beyond what we could believe, imagine, beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. This is always the desire of God. The desire of God is never to leave you where you're at today. God's desire is always to take you beyond. He wants you richly blessed and favored in your life. And we believe that's the call of Elevate Church is to help you understand who you are in Jesus Christ and understand his nature and his goodness and his goodness always reigns forever and his promises are what? Yes and amen for your life. He is for you. He is not against you today. And we always see this in Jesus. So in Luke chapter 17, Verse 11 through 19, it says this, as Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the borders between Galilee and Samaria. Verse 12, as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy were standing in a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15, one of them, which saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? Verse 19, Jesus said to him, stand up, go, your faith has healed you. Come on, let's pray today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your word. We thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, it's truth, and it brings hope to our souls that are broken. Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead and to guide and direct us today. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody agrees, said? Amen. Point number one, between. This is where we find Jesus. He's between Galilee and Samaria. And this is really what we would call no man's land. This is where lost people live, outcasts, rejects, sick. This is where these people live, on the outskirts of the cities, outside of the walls of the friendly confines of their families and their friends and their old jobs. This is a no man's land. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in this place before, a place of between. I know I have. You know, a lot of you know this, but some of you don't, that, you know, when I was young, my dad left when I was three, and my mom was kind of nowhere to be found, and so I grew up with my grandparents, and on my 10th birthday, my grandpa got cancer, and by my 11th birthday, on my 11th birthday, he died, and a year and a half later, my grandma had a stroke in my arms, and she died four days later. And for 25 years, I found myself in this place that I call between. Between the place where this pain had welled up in my soul to the place that Jesus heals and restores. See, it's not a matter that Jesus wants to heal and restore. 
He wanted to take the pain. He wanted to bring his grace. He wanted to heal my brokenness inside me. But sometimes it takes time. You're in the between. But the whole time you're in the between, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is right there. And this is where we find Jesus. With some people that are in the between of life. It says he entered the village with 10 men with leprosy who stood at a distance. And when we think of the word leprosy, I don't think we really have a real understanding of what this is. This is a serious condition. The uh, definition says this. This is a condition where a person develops skin lesions. Anybody have skin lesions? I am so sorry for you if you do. That sounds horrifying, okay? Blisters, rashes, your skin opens up. Moments where your skin just breaks open, nerve damage, infections leading to finger and toe loss. The dig, the it figures your face and your hands. These individuals were so scary to people that people and governments would put them outside of the city, away from society, because they didn't know what to do with these people. This was a really highly contagious disease. And Jesus is walking in the place of no man's land, and he comes across 10 men with this disease. But Jesus had dealt with this disease before. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 41, it said, A man with leprosy came and kneeled before Jesus, begging him to be healed. He said, If you are willing. Let me tell you something today. Jesus is always willing. Jesus is always willing to take care of you when you come and you humble yourself before him. He said, if you're willing, can you make me well? Can you clean me? Verse 41, Jesus moved with compassion, reached out and touched them. You don't touch people with leprosy. This is highly contagious. There's no way of healing this in ancient days. There's no way of being restored of this in ancient days. So the fact that Jesus would reach out and touch this man, touch his disease, moved with compassion, and he heals him. See, Jesus always looks at mankind with compassion. You know, the United States, mankind, all of us in here today, we might not have leprosy on the outside here today, but we're all sick inside some way, somehow. We're filled with hate and racism and pain and broken hearts and sickness and disease, and the list goes on and on, stress and guilt and shame. We're all carrying stuff. We're all wounded, hurting people that need what? The grace of God, his love, his goodness. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 through 19, it says this, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Listen, when we worship in here and you sense God's presence or you sense his love or you walked in here today and you felt somebody shake your hand or give you a hug or tell them, somebody tell you that they love you, it's not us. It's the grace of God. It's him reaching out going, I want you to experience how wide, how deep, 
how expansive my love and my grace and my mercy is for each and every one of you. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 through 25 says this, for everyone has sinned. Can I get an amen on that, somebody, okay? God knows I am not perfect. Spend a week with me and you'll be like, man, you are not my pastor in Jesus' name. For everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standards, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God because they believe in Jesus' sacrifice, his love, shedding his blood. See, Jesus came to mankind. He came to us to do what? Heal and restore us just like he healed and restored those lepers. He wants to heal our lost hope. He wants to heal our lost dreams. He wants to heal our lost passion. He wants to heal and restore your soul. I used to tell youth kids all the time when I was a youth pastor, I said, it's the pillow test. See, we can play, pretend, and act like our lives are good and whole and right and everything, but there's this moment when you go to bed at night and your head hits the pillow and you're stuck with your thoughts. And at that moment, you find out real quick, is my soul okay? Am I all right inside? See, Jesus came to restore and heal this. Point number two is this. They heard, Luke chapter 17, verse 13, crying out, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, I got to believe this, that because they lived outside of the city and they were outcasts, that they had never seen with their own eyes Jesus before. But you know what they had had? They heard about Jesus and his great exploits. Maybe they heard about the woman with the issue of blood, the woman that was embarrassed for 12 years that couldn't stop bleeding and went to every doctor and went and spent everything that she had and she researched and researched and researched and she couldn't find healing and she couldn't get well and she was embarrassed with this condition, but she found Jesus and at one touch, the story says one touch of his hem, his garment, Healing left Jesus and restored and renewed her and made her well after 12 years. Maybe they heard the story of the paralyzed man that couldn't get in, that his friends brought him to see Jesus, but the house was full kind of like today. And they couldn't get in through the door. And so they said, some way, somehow, we got to get him to Jesus. And so they climbed to the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him down to Jesus. And Jesus healed him. And he stood up and he rolled up his mat and he walked out completely well. See, they hadn't seen Jesus, but they had heard about the exploits, the great things that Jesus had done. And so when they heard and they saw with their eyes that Jesus was coming, I'm sure their hearts were filled with joy, hearts filled with expectation. I see Jesus coming. Can you imagine the first time they heard the stories about Jesus healing and restoring and renewing people? Decades, years, months, days, 
living in isolation, living with never being touched, living away from their family and their friends and their children. And the moment they hear about God and his grace and his goodness, can you imagine how their hearts were filled with joy? How hope came back alive again? Something inside of them said, I need that. I need that man. I need to see that man. Hope is a seriously powerful thing to have. Point number three is this. As they went, faith. Luke 17, verse 14 through 15, it says this. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, if you got a Bible, if you're taking notes, write that down. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. See, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe this. That each step that they took towards the priests, their bodies became increasingly better and better and better. And as they took that first step, maybe one of them looked at their hand and said, oh my gosh, my hand is clean. And then they took another step and another step and their steps got faster and faster because they're trying to get to the priest. And every step they take, they're realizing that they are being healed. They're being restored. See, when God speaks to you, the first thing that's going to happen is this. You're going to have to make a choice. Do I stay or do I go? I, I, I just heard the God of the universe, Jesus, this man that I've heard that heals the sick. He didn't come lay hands on them. He just gave them a word. He just spoke a word to them. He said, just go and show yourselves to the priests. And at that moment, they had a choice to make. Am I going to listen to the word of the Lord and go, or am I going to stand here? Because the reality is this. If they would have stood there, I wouldn't have blamed them. Sick for years. Some man tells them to go to the priest, the very people who have kicked them out of the city, the very people who have rejected them, the very people who has thrown them into isolation. And now Jesus tells me to go see the priest? Jesus, why don't you come over here and, and, and lay hands on me? Jesus, why don't you come give me a hug? Why are you telling me to go see the priest? See, I wouldn't blame them if they would have stood, but they made a choice, and the choice was what? Faith. See, sometimes faith in our choices seem really small. Can you imagine that first step? I, I'm not looking at Jesus anymore. I, I'm trying to find out which direction do I need to go to get to the priest. That first step of faith? See, a lot of times faith looks like this. Really small. I mean, really, really small. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like how this church started. You know, we all think the church started on the day that we had the first service. And that is true. But reality is this, that this church started the day that God spoke to me and my wife and said, I need you to go to Cincinnati. I remember it. 
me and Jess, we wanted to get away from our kids. Can I get an amen on that from somebody, okay? I love my kids, but some days I'm like, can we just get away from them in Jesus' name? See, we thought we were going to start this church in Columbus for years. And we went one weekend with our boys to Columbus, and it just didn't feel right in our souls. And we knew that wasn't home. And so I told Jess, I said, you know what, let's go to Maggiano's. Because I grew up in Chicago, and we would go to Maggiano's in Chicago, and I love Maggiano's. It reminds me of like a, like a mobster's restaurant, you know what I mean? Like super classy mobster. You know, I'm always ready to meet somebody like John Gotti in there or something, you know? And so I'm like, Jess, let's go to Maggiano's. And, and so we decided we were going to come down and have a date night, and we, we came to Marcianos, and as we were driving back up 75, passing this very area, we knew this is home. We knew in our heart of hearts that God was calling us to start a church, but it was a small choice for me and Jess to say, you know what, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, See, it all started really, really small. Let me show you a picture real quick. This was Elevate Church, okay? See, when we decided to start Elevate Church, we decided, hey, we got to get some people, you know? Like, gosh, we got to, like, find people to help us start this church. And, and I, mean, I mean, there's a few people that are not in this picture, like um, where is uh, Stephanie and the Williams and John Thompson and his wife. But we, we, had, a, we had a group of 18 people. And we felt so blessed that we had 18 people that actually believed in us. So we were like, do we believe in us? I mean, is this, you know, and, and that's where church was. People would come to our church on Sunday mornings. I remember Nick Roller's kids called us the Donuts Church, okay? They would come and they would eat like 45 donuts every Sunday, I promise you. Uh, they would leave with a sugar high, okay? And they just thought, they thought Pastor Jeff was the greatest person ever because he had sugary donuts and he had juice boxes in his closet, okay? But that's where the church started. And then, you know, we built up and, and God, you know, helped raise money. I mean, we had no money. I remember we were seven weeks away from starting the church and we still needed $40,000. Six weeks, five weeks, four weeks, Somebody called me up and said, hey, I got a $30,000 check for you. The Lord told me to start this church. I said, in Jesus' name, I thank you. And so we launched the church. Next picture. We launched the church at Little Miami High School. I don't know what I was thinking at y'all, okay? <laughs> Listen, um, I live currently in Morrow. I will not live there the rest of my life, okay? I love the people of Morrow, but that was not where God wanted us to be. And we were there for five weeks, five weeks. And every Sunday, I promise you, every Sunday, I remember the week three, Jess came and found me. I was praying in the hallway, and she was like, what's the matter? I was like, why are we here? Why are we doing church? Why do we have a church? You know, I mean, like I had, I was just lost, lost, lost hope. But God did amazing things. You know, Shannon and Christina came. Dave and Hannah came. Uh, Stevie and Bruce came. Uh, Corey and Brittany came. Uh, the Coots came. I mean, it was, it was wild. And we were there for five weeks. And then all of a sudden, what did we do? We went back to my house, okay? 
I mean, you would think God goes from glory to glory. Well, this was a new glory. It was back to my house. And in my basement was our kids' facility in our basement and Matt and Levi's uh, bedrooms in our basement, okay? And on Sunday mornings, we would have chairs in my living room, and we had a TV where we would do video worship. Can I get an amen for video worship, okay, on a little video screen in my house? And, man, we, we did that. And then we found this place called, oh, no, wait, I got to show you something, okay? I got to show you something. Well, oh, yeah, there it is, okay? This is, this is church at my house. You can see, that's somebody's booty, Okay. <laughs> And there's a, look, you can see the chairs and uh, Florence in the back. Uh, she would bring some kind of goodies or treats every week. So while that was happening, we also didn't have any personal money. So we were doing this thing, next picture, called tables. Okay, you can see, okay. You, and, and you can see Matt there. He is in a very depressed state. And he is questioning why he has come with me to start this church. I promise you, okay. And I mean, look, there's just... Uh, our, our neighbors probably thought that we were insane, okay? This was seven days a week. You know how it's been cold this winter? I promise you, that winter, I promise you, there wasn't a day colder than, I think, 50 degrees, and it was God's grace because we were doing tables, and that's how we took care of our family. We bought a table off Craigslist. We refurbed it. We sold it, and it was like straight manna from heaven. They came, and they came, and they came, and over 17 months, we did 138 table sets. And God was so faithful, so faithful. So then we find this place called the Edge Teen Center, okay? Throw up that picture, okay? And I call this the dark hole, the dark time, okay? I mean, you couldn't see anybody. You'd walk into church and be like, hey, how are you? I, uh, who are you? You know, Oh, it's you, it's Brett. Oh, yeah, I felt your beard, you know? I mean, so... And we walked into the teen center, and, I mean, we just thought, Lord, okay. And God was faithful. See, faith starts really small. Choices. Am I going to choose to follow what God has said? Right? God gave them a word, go see the priests. But it took a small step, one step. Sometimes that's all God needs is one small step of faith. But the reality is like, we're like, who's got time for this, right? Ain't nobody got time for that, right? You know what I mean? I mean, and then we think about this, okay, so... We got some dominoes up here, and obviously we start pretty small, and then we get, you know, we, I think this is an inch, Levi, is that an inch? We start with an inch, and we get to three feet. So it's one and a half times. It just keeps building. And this one is, you know, super light, but that last one, I mean, this thing, I mean, this thing weighs like 100 pounds. It's thick. It's heavy. And sometimes we think, you know, we're looking at this. I'll never forget the first Sunday we had church. I remember it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Me, Matt, and Levi, and Jess were standing, or, you know, sitting down on the couch, and we're all looking at each other like, what are we doing with our lives? Is there any hope for this church? But the reality is this. We see this, we see this, but God sees this. 
See, we see all these tiny, tiny moments and we get frustrated and we get upset with all these tiny moments. But God's going, if you'll just be faithful, if you'll just make a choice, if you'll just choose me. See, you know, where did this church really start? It started the day that I accepted Jesus. That's where it started. It started the day that I surrendered my heart to him. It started the day that I said, you know what? I'm really screwing up my life, God, and I really need your grace, and I really need your help, and I really need you to heal my brokenness inside of me. That's where this church started. And then you know where else this started? It started the day me and my wife got married because we got married, and then like 10 hours later, we got into a moving van and drove to Mississippi, Okay, Vicksburg, Mississippi, Vicksburg, Mississippi, okay? We drove to Mississippi to go be youth pastors at a church. And on that drive, I remember me and her looking at each other, and we said, we will do whatever God asks us to do. I don't care where he takes us. We will go. We will go. That's where this church really started. It starts with small steps of faith. I know we can't see the whole picture, but God does, and he wants to bless you. But the problem is this. When we are trying to carry the load of our life, and we're trying to carry our burdens and our pains, and we're trying to carry all that life has for us, it is really heavy. It is really hard. And it gets really tired. You get really tired. And God never expected you to carry the load of life on yourself. God says, listen, this may seem really, really small in your eyes, but to me, this little, little moment, this little step of faith is going to cause a chain reaction of God's supernatural blessing and favor and increase in your life. You know, Corey, the guy we prayed for today, met Corey and his family two years ago. I don't think they really knew what they believed in Jesus or not, or they're just trying to do the right thing, and they came to our church. And, and two years later, I mean, Corey today told me this story about how he broke his leg, and the same time he broke his leg, God supernaturally gave him an a increase in his job. Just blessed him. I've seen Corey and Brittany over the last two years take small steps of faith to trust God, small steps of faith to start serving in our church, small steps of faith to start giving and tithing, small steps. And what is God continually doing in Corey and Brittany's life? Blessing and favor and favor and favor and increase and increase and increase. Start small. But you know what's super cool? That small, small, tiny moment ends up making a huge God chain of his supernatural power and strength in your life. Amen? Number four is this. Worship team, you guys can come on up. One came back. One came back. Luke chapter 17, verse 16, it says this. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Verse 19, Jesus said to the man, stand up, 
go. Your faith has healed you. Why don't you stand to your feet today? You know, I'm pretty confident that all 10 men who got healed were happy, right? All 10 men that got restored and went back to their homes and their families and their cities and their friends, I'm, I'm sure all of them were happy and I'm sure at one point all of them said, man, thank God for that moment. But there was one, there was one, one that came back and said, Jesus, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have breath in your lungs today because of God's grace. You have food to eat today because of God's grace. You have jobs to go to because of God's grace. Everything you have in your life because of the grace and his goodness. And his goodness is constantly drawing you and wooing you and going, listen, I have so much more for you. Just take a small step. Take a small step to trust me today. Take a small step to believe in me. Close your eyes with me today if you would. truly believe that God's grace and his presence is here today. I truly believe that many of you have felt God's grace and his presence and his love for you today. I truly believe that you've heard somewhere in your soul, in your mind today, you've heard Jesus going, I'm real. I'm alive. I died for you. I gave up my life for you so that I could heal your brokenness, so I could heal you. The greatest gift that God ever gives us is the gift of eternity. I had no idea that the day that I chose Jesus was the day that I was gonna be able to spend eternity with him forever and ever. But also when I go to eternity, I get to see my grandparents. They're there and they're waiting for me. And I can't wait to see them. And I can't wait to hug them. And I can't wait to spend eternity with them. So let God's grace abound in you today. Let his grace and his love and his mercy and his healing to heal your brokenness and your lost dreams and your lost passion. Let him come and heal and restore your soul. So with every eye closed, if you're here today and you go, you know what, Pastor Jeff? Today was for me. And I heard God speak to me. I heard, I felt his love. I felt his grace. And I want to make a choice. I want to make a a choice today. Choice of faith. To accept Jesus start a relationship with him. If that's you, I want you just to throw your hand up. Start up your hand. Thank you. See your hand. See your hand. Thank you. I see your hands.
grab hands with the person next to you. And we're gonna pray this prayer together as a family. I love that Stefan and Sierra called this place a family because that's what we believe. We just believe we're one big family, closely knit together. We care about each other. We pray for each other. We love each other. We do life with each other. So we're gonna pray this prayer together. And the Bible says this, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life, he is faithful to forgive you of all of your sin, all of your, all of your unrighteousness, all of your past. And you start a relationship with him, with his grace and his love. Come on, pray this with me. Say, dear God, I choose today to accept Jesus as my Lord. I believe that he died for my sin, for my guilt, for my shame, but that he rose victoriously three days later. Jesus, come fill my heart with your grace and your love and your mercy I give you my guilt. I give you my shame. I thank you that I'm a new man. I'm a new woman in you, Christ Jesus. Praise you. And everybody agrees, said, amen. Come on, give it up for everybody who prayed that prayer today.